Yeah. How's your animals going? We want to help you out, offer you some solution to any problems you may have with your pets. And joining me for Pet Chat today is our vet, Dr. Bob, Dr. Robert Stabler. Hello, how are you? Not too bad, thank you, Dave. How are you today? Welcome along. Feeling good. Nice to see your face again. That's good. And the rest of me? Yes. And what topic are we looking at today? Stockmanship. So calm, gentle animal handling, how to help animals feel secure and comfortable and and help you to feel safe great one a lot of people around our areas on the properties yep. are into this they'll love to hear that plus we'll be opening up and taking your calls and our interview coming up in around five minutes our special guest this morning is talking about ferrets that's right we've got a big ferret day happening in our area on the weekend we'll find out all about that and we'll pose a few questions about what having a ferret is like as a pet that's all part of pet chat today four nine two one six two one six you can call that number around about five minutes time here at two n u r f m one oh three point Dr. Bob is here. Dr. Bob Stabler, hello. How are you doing? I'm good. And we've got a special guest on the line. Lisa is joining us. We're going to find out about ferrets. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Good, thank you. Yourself? Uh, tell me how long have you been involved with ferrets, Lisa? Um, not so long. Probably about oh, just under two years. But um, I have done my homework. <laughs> what led you to get involved with this animal, which is a little unusual to say the least? Um, well, my son, really. Um, he was pretty obsessed with them and he kept bringing up YouTube videos and, and showing me, and they were quite cute. Um, he brought one home, and I was a bit frightened of it, actually, but that only lasted a couple of days because of their personality. And um, does your house um, smell of ferrets? Oh, dear. <laughs> well, oh, dear. No, they don't. That, that's a misconception, I think. Um, the female ferrets don't smell Quite, quite as bad as the male ferrets. Male ferrets only smell um, prior to being desexed because um, a lot of the oils in their skins come through um, and they do have a musky type odour. But once they're desexed, um, that odour diminishes. And it's also um, to do with housekeeping. So you need to keep their cages clean and their hammocks washed weekly and their kitty litter changed. Um, and then there's not much odour at all. Mine are in the house and they don't smell at all. And do you wash them at all, Lisa, or, or do they sort of self-groom like cats? They do self-groom like cats, yes. There's really no need to um, wash a ferret, but some like the water. So mine actually play um, in the bathtub. I probably wash them once every four or five months just to get... Um, I've got a, a black-eyed white, just to get that nice bright white back into her. Um, and, you know, they don't need to be washed. They self-groom, but like I said, maybe every four or five months, you can, you can give them a bit of a wash. Do you let them run around the house, Lisa, or do you have them in a particular cage, or do you just put them in the cage at night? Mine are free roam, um, so they do roam around the house through the day. They do have a cage, which is left open, and they choose to, um, to sleep in their hammocks. It's just safer for them at night to have them closed up, because obviously you can't watch them. Also, when you have visitors over, um, they are playing little things, and they do get in between your feet quite often, so you have to be very careful that they're not stepped on and that your house is ferret-proof. So the best way to do that is get on your hands and knees and... Just pretend you're a ferret and think, you know, where can I get stuck under the fridge or in the, you know, dishwasher or things like that. <laughs> now, Lisa, what about temperament with the ferrets? Their temperament. Wow, they're they're just they're just amazing little creatures. They're so social. Um, they're fun loving. They do attach themselves to you more so than a cat. They they do behave like a kitten um, for their entire life. Um, they're funny. They're happy. They 
go through tunnels. You can never be upset once if you have a ferret. They just make you laugh. They entice you to play. Um, it's a great, great antidepressant. <laughs> and and they really do play with anything, don't they? So what about the cords of the telly? Are they oops, sort of safe or...? Um, depends how you train your ferret, um, and, and you can train them quite easily. So you get, if you get them as a kit, um, you know, a stern no, and you point your finger at them, um, and they learn. They do learn. Mine don't touch television cords, although um, some do, obviously, and, um, you know, they like to chew on rubber things. So you really have to be very careful what's laying around the home. Now, Lisa, I've heard if you set up a maze for them of, like, PVC tubing or, or something like that, they love it. They'll go for hours through those. They do. They absolutely love tunneling, going through tunnels, and there's quite a, quite a few of them on the market. Actually, um, we're having a ferret Sunday on Sunday, and we have ferret races through tunnels, and, you know, they just have a ball. Okay, tell me more about the fun day. It's this Sunday, and it's in our area here? It is. It's um, in Mayfield West at the Pet Shop Boys. Um, so the address is Unit 1, Number 5, um, Channel Road, Mayfield West, and it kicks off there at 10.30. Um uh, Jane, who runs um, Ferret Love, um, has her ferret shop there as well. So um, there's lots of toys for sale and hammocks for sale. Um, she also sell, sells cages um, and will have uh, a big playpen where all the, uh, the ferrets can get into and, you know, have a bit of a, a play together, go through tunnels, rice boxes. And it's just um, a lot of like-minded people who own ferrets or are interested in ferrets get together and um, share stories and, you know, you basically t- talk about their ferrets, show pictures of their ferrets, just enjoy the day together. Lisa, a um, great opportunity for those who might be interested in them to come on down and find out all about them. Do you need to have a licence to own a ferret? Not in New South Wales. You do in Canberra, um, and, of course, they're illegal in Queensland. But in New South Wales, um, you can own ferrets freely. Um, not too many people just have one ferret. Um, they're a very social animal, so most people have a couple, and then when a ferret map strikes, um, you just look at their little eyes, and, you know, they give you that eye, and you need to get another one. So a lot of people have four and five ferrets. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it's a great day. Come... Come down if you can and have a look. Um, you can pick up the ferrets. You can learn a lot. You really need to be educated um, before you get a ferret. Um, they're not the easiest animal to look after. Um, you have to have time um, and you need to have finances also. And you need to know what to feed them. They're obligate carnivores um, and you can't just feed them cat food. Okay, so that's this Sunday. If you want more details, call us at 2 in URFM to the Pet Shop Boys at Mayfield for a big ferret day. You can go and check that out, find out more details. And we thank Lisa for joining us this morning and having a chat about that. Bob, do you know, are they prolific breeders, the ferrets? They are, yeah. They, um, when the female come into, comes into season, they just keep coming back into season. So they can, that's why it's important to get them desexed because mm-hmm. they can actually... Um, hemorrhage and do all sorts of unpleasant things. So, okay. very dangerous surgery. Interesting to find out about them today. Now, 25 minutes past 12. Now, do you have a problem with your pet? If you do, give us a call, 49216216. There's a free line waiting there for you right now. You'll be the first on this afternoon to have a chat with our doctor, our vet, Dr. Bob, here. It's 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call for pet chat, 2NURFM 103.7. We've got our vet, Dr. Bob, here. And, Bob, would you please say hello today to Steve from Merriweather? Hello, Steve. Yeah, good day, Bob. How are you? Good. How can we help you? I got a uh, staffy on the on the weekend. He was um, he's very adventurous of returning sticks, and well, he's, he tried to return a big log in the lake, and um, he went under a few times and took in some water, 
and he's developed a cough. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether it's from the water or from something else, but it's like he's got something in his throat and he often bring, brings up a little bit of froth. Yeah, partly when um, you've been underwater and you've swallowed a bit, not only into your intestine but also into your lungs, that the lungs then have to try and get that water out of there, and especially if it's been the lake and there's bits of bark or something in it. The body with little cilia in the, the bronchi are trying to get that back up, so they're trying to get rid of all of that, that extra gunk that's in the actual airways that's supposed to be nice and clear for the air to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. So that cough, as long as it settles down over a few days, is okay. The big worry is what other foreign bodies have gone in there and stayed in there, and that might be you might need to go down to your regular vet, X-ray, maybe antibiotics, maybe some um, drugs that help to get that that um, foreign material coming back up. Um, and very difficult to train him not to go and fetch um, bits of boat. Yeah, <laughs> staffies just love that sort of yeah stuff. I remember one actually it was a. It was a staffy cross or something, and it used to, it used to actually dive into the pool and pick up, you know, the, the lead weights they put on for, yeah. uh, belt for diving. Yeah. It used to go down to the bottom of the pool and pick those up, and sometimes <laughs> they'd actually have to retrieve the dog because it would not come up until it actually had the lead weight. So, I, I can believe that. Yeah, they're just so focused and determined, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe not so drama, a couple, couple of days, and um, is there anything you can do to promote the coughing up? Or? Not really, but maybe a bit of honey just as a mild antibacterial, just rub around their lips and that way then they're swallowing that, then that provides that slight antibacterial effect and, and hopefully, yeah, restores a little bit of health to the, to the throat area and therefore improves the immune system. But, yeah, if you're, not, if you're worried, straight down to your regular vet and an X-ray or a check or endoscope to see there's nothing too large down there. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Thanks, Good Steve. Steve. Great to hear from you. Our phone number, 49216216. If you'd like to call, just as Steve has done, there's a free, wine, free line waiting there for you right now, 49216216. Now, Dr. Bob, in recent times we've had, in recent weeks, we've had the Cessnock Show, we've had the Maitland Show not that long ago, the Newcastle Show, and right now the Easter Show is on in Sydney, the Royal Easter Show. Good timing for your topic today, which is uh, which we might see on display, really, some of that animal handling. It is. Stockmanship is really amazing, and when you look at the, the people working with these animals it really takes time it takes uh, a lot of education they really need to spend time with animals observing how they're responding to what they're doing and if you watch people which have a, a who have a real gift with animals they really do it looks as though the animal's doing what they want them to do without even doing things but really they're sort of shepherding just the way they put their body the posture of the animal and how they change and reflect that that back to the animal just their attitude to the animal it's built on respect and empathy it's just so important that um everybody when you look at those sorts of things you you, you think golly you know how is that half a ton one ton creature <laughs> listening to this puny human it's just amazing so is there hours of training that must go in between the animal and the handler and uh, to try and build that understanding and that relationship it, it is really important and you start from when they're young so the animal knows that people aren't a major threat that that regular handing acclimatizes the animal to being touched in all sorts of places especially show animals they need to to look great so if you watch them and go through the show you actually see them you know cleaning and washing and bathing and and vacuuming them and blowing them dry and all sorts of amazing things 
those animals have to be desensitised to all those strange and unusual movements. Having said that, yeah, there must be some other uh, things that get involved in that, like putting them with a huge crowd of people around, noise that gets involved when they take them to the show. It is that some animals, you know, they're from the property out west and not much noise, and sometimes um, a lot of effort's made into helping them to settle down. Other times it's just, yeah, cold turkey, Mm. and somehow they just cope. Like us, we cope with different things. People like me like to stand near the door just in case something might happen. (laughs) Other people are happy to be right in the middle of the crowd. So you'll have different personalities of the cattle, sheep, pigs, all that sort of thing. Okay. Now, handling animals, uh, are they all different? So the difference between handling cattle and maybe handling sheep or something like that? Very important to realise the differences. So the um, sheep especially, if you're trying to motivate them to do something, there's not a lot of point in using food. But if you ask them to go through like a maze to go and get back to their companion sheep, then they will remember that six months later. Um, So other animals are a bit better um, with food training. So pigs, as you can imagine, um, they they are a bit more um, able to be trained. Um, But really, when you do intelligent tests on all these animals, they just, as long as you work with them, show them respect, they will then listen and, and follow that leadership really nicely. It's Pet Chat today, 49216216. If you'd like to get through and have a chat to us, we'd like to offer some kind of problems, some solution to your problems with your pet. 49216216. If you'd like to get through and have a chat to us today, we'd love to hear from you. Our vet, Dr. Bob, is here today, and we're talking about good animal handling. That's our topic today, and we've just been having a little talk off air there about some interesting things about showing them. It is. It's very important that the, the stock person really understands their animal. They need to have that background knowledge so that they know what that animal is like, each species is very specific in its behaviour and its response. And just looking at uh, how that animal is coping with the surroundings, so like doing the the judging or parading that they're doing at the show, you have to be aware of how that animal is coping with either the crowds, the noises, even the smell of maybe the the cars have been around just before them, the smell of the fumes of the petrol can just tip them over the edge. And once they're over that edge, then, yeah, will they come back to being calm easily or will... You have to sort of, yeah. It just, must be so difficult because if you think about it, like here's an animal that might parade perfectly for yep, you at home. He's yep. great. And it just, that variable that enters into it can put him off. And he could have been a, the winning. He could have been the blue ribbon winning. Exactly. And that's the same as every sport. And we look at our Olympic athletes and, you know, you might have a bit of a cold leading up to it or you might have had perfect preparation and, yeah, yeah stub your toe or something and, and that's it. So it's the same with animals. You have to be very much aware of their health looking at that welfare, looking at their mental status, if, if you like, and that really depends on a number of things, the, the behaviour, the health, the environment, um, and how they're responding to all those different things. So are they getting enough food and water? The change from the food and water from your place going to where the, mm. the show is, all those little things um, will so really many affect different it. variables there yeah. can, can affect the whole situation and the yeah. whole, as you say, change the personality of the animal that you're trying to show. And really, it depends on the person. So if you look at people like Steve Irwin, you know, just a consummate animal handler, just amazing. He was always just inside or on that line of that critical flight, fight, uh, fright distance and not, you know, sending the fear into the animal, but just his calm presence as well, I, I've his always, voice. I've always wondered, and I thought I'll, I'll put this question to you because it's probably the similar situation with being a vet as what it is with someone like a, a Steve Irwin who's handling so many different animals. Yep. If you're a vet and you're handling a different animal, what's the important role in 
washing your hands or, or cleaning yourself? Because isn't there different scents amongst different animals? Wouldn't couldn't even just the scent of what you've just an animal you just handled Absolutely. set off another one that you're about mm-hmm. to handle? How and does that work? It's really important in all sorts of things that you're trying to have uh, good hygiene. The hand washing is really important because when you're holding an animal and you're feeling it head to shoulders to feet and back and, and everywhere else, that scent is on your hands and you can try and wash it off. But really, we're just sort of, yeah, washing off a bit. The animal, the next animal that comes in, the same with cleaning the table. Really, they have an aerosol aroma that's inside the consult room, inside the reception area. So same as people when they actually take their dog, they can drive past the vet, that's fine. Um, and the dog doesn't get worried. But if you turn into the vet car park, then the animal starts to shake yeah, and yeah, look worried. And, 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 and partly it's just the, the visual side of that, but also it's the aroma. They're actually picking up on either the smell of blood, the smell of fear, the smell of aggression. And that's why when they come in, and critically important, and I say to people, literally, when you're handling animals, you have to deep breathe. No, mm. breathe deeply. That's right. Mm. Um, <laughs> the more you do that, the more calm you are, the more the animal reflects that calmness. As soon as you start to get worried or you start to use a high voice and you start to think, oh, it's okay, I'm fine, it's okay, yeah. then they pick up on that fear. And that's why animals, yeah, really do read fear in our body, our body language, as well as that chemistry. All right. So yeah, very, very I've always wondered that because you oh, see yeah. you must deal with so many different animals, and I think they've all got a different scent, and there's got to be, like if you're just handling a snake or a python, and then you go to a pussycat, the pussycat would have to be able to sense, oh, I don't like snakes. I'm That's staying, right, yeah. yeah. And we had one dog, in, um, oh, it must have been a couple of weeks ago at the RSPCA where I worked a couple of mornings a week just as a GP vet, and it was um, it was just really worried. So the moment it walked in and the, and the owners left it, it was going to be desexed, and it just... <laughs> just started whinging and then it started barking and so right up till it had the anesthetic it was just really stressed and even though it had had its sedation and so then every other animal in the clinic Mm. whether they were in the hospital cages or whether they were in reception they all started to get worried and you could see them just all you know a bit jumpy and so it, it really affects everybody else so the more calm the handler is the more calm the animal be, and they do reflect all of the stuff that we go through as people, family situations. Yes, it happens to be Pet Chat, 49216216. If you'd like to get through and have a chat to us, we'd love to hear from you. And we've got Dr. Bob here, our vet, and he's talking at the moment to Peter from East Maitland. Hello, Peter. You there, Peter? Yes, there he is. Hello, Peter. What's going Hello. on? Hello. Yes, look, yeah, I was just uh, going to ask the vet. I was wondering why uh, uh, dogs eat dirt. Why do they eat dirt? What sort of a dog is it? Um, a whippet. A whippet. Sometimes it can be they're just having fun. Sometimes it's digging and and they get a bit of a scent of something where either cat might have pooed in the past. Sometimes no, it's... You know, yeah, there's no cats and nothing out here. Yeah. I am. And uh, he's in a kennel of a day and he gets let out of a day and then he'll... Uh, in, a, in a big yard and then he'll go to... Um, and he'll uh, just scratch a little bit up and start eating grass. Uh, dirt. And just eat it. How much would he eat? A couple of uh, teaspoons? Yeah, probably two or three. Yeah. Sometimes I guess it can be that they... Or a hole and actually eat into a hole, you know? Yeah. So that sounds more like an obsessive sort of behaviour. It's associated with anxiety and, and distress. Um, so um, the important things to do are try and work out what might be causing him distress. He is a whippet, so he is going to have a higher anxiety level. So... Um, just, yeah, a little bit more play, um, helping him to have a few extra toys. If he's a single dog, up to 40 toys by name. He's got, he's got plenty of other pups. He's got plenty of other little ones with him. How many? 
Oh, it's about half a dozen. Yeah, so two's company, three's a crowd. Half a dozen yeah, means you... Yeah, yards, and they'll yeah. run and play and everything, and then I uh, lock them up with a night time, you know? Yeah, so when you've got a number of animals, you're always going to have interactions between those animals, and some animals will show their stress through aggression, being more flighty, um, running away. Some will, yeah, go to biting or chewing at themselves. Labradors chewing at their front wrist uh, is an example of that. Some animals, staffy types, will tend to chase their tail when they get over that um, coping threshold. So maybe that he's just showing stress in this sort of way and that's his, um, if you like, stress um, outlet. Um, so, yeah, a little bit more relationship time, sit, stay, drop, a little bit of short walks. And whenever you've got animals, being careful to watch the interrelationships. So like office politics, there may be some stuff going underneath the surface there that we don't pick up on, but the closer you look at it, the better chance we've got of finding out what well, might be the background to that anxiety yeah. problem. He's got five acres to run in, so he gets plenty of running. That's good, but he still for days. Yeah, he still needs mental challenge. So the run is good, but he needs to use that brain for good rather than just um, yeah potential to develop a worse obsessive behaviour. Good on you, Peter. Thank you for the call. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to get through on Pet Chat, we'd love to hear from you. We've got a report of a, a car accident here. It's a car which has gone under a truck at the intersection of Ingle Street and Maitland Road, Mayfield. Does not to be appear to be a fatal. Police are not on the scene as yet, and only one lane is open in each direction. Traffic is very slow. Again, that is a, a problem at Ingle Street and Maitland Road, Mayfield, at the intersection there where a car's gone under a truck, and there we have one lane op- open in each direction. Please approach with care. If you can avoid the area, please do so. The police should be on the scene there soon. Now, six away from one. Normally, we have Julie Tolliday on here. We talked to her. We spoke to her a week or two ago, and she's great talking to us about how we can train our animals. What about an animal with puppy school? You take the animal along, and the handlers roll in that. Uh, can all puppies be taught, or is there some that you just go, just, this one can't learn, it doesn't want to? Every animal has a different motivation, a different personality, um, and certainly the breed types give you a bit of an idea of what they're going to be like. So Border Collie type, they're just keen to learn, they want to do everything. If you don't give them enough mental challenge, they're going to use their brain for not so good, so chasing cars. So in a puppy preschool environment, the whole idea is that you're getting them used to different people, used to the smells of a veterinary clinic or the show, show ground or whatever, and helping that animal to be able to play happily. You'll get some animals that are just so scared in that situation, they will stay under the chair or they'll sit in the owner's lap, and that makes the owner feel uncomfortable. So a good puppy school... What more um, can the owner do? What can you do as the handler to help bring them out and make them feel comfortable and be a part of that new environment they're in where they can learn? The important thing is to realise whether it is a really overwhelming fear and it's better for them just to be in your lap and to watch. And then sometimes over the second or third week, then you will see them coming out of their shell. Not forcing them to do stuff is so important. Same as us, we don't learn if we're scared or if we're worried, butterflies in the tummy, whereas if we feel calm and relaxed, so long, slow strokes to help them be reassured and settled. But, yeah, it's important that everybody cooperates. And, and sometimes in, in various groups you have you know, really big animals and really small ones, so you've got to you know, make sure the big ones don't bully the little ones or vice versa. Okay, we've got another call right now. We'll continue with Pet Chat today. And joining us from Broadmeadow, waiting patiently. Hello, Phyllis, how are you? You'll need to turn your radio down. That's feeding back. Okay. Look, there we my go. My granddaughter's got a bird. What sort of bird is it? Ring, oh, ring neck. A ring neck parrot. parrot. Parrot, yep. And it has 
like some sort of a mite or it's losing all its feathers off its wings. And on both wings or in a particular patch or is it all over the body? No, it's only on one wing at the top of the wing. Okay. Um, sometimes it can be an injury if they're flying around in a cage and they bump something. The more that is then irritating them, the more they might either chew or scratch or rub at that. Um, the big worry with animals that are, birds that are in a, a, a cage is that they can get very bored. So critically important to have lots of enrichment sort of things, so bits of branches, getting some um, seeding grass, wrapping it up, sticking it through the side of the cage, cardboard box so they can actually have a hideaway so they can retreat from what's going on around them. Sometimes there can be a little mite that would might either be on the legs or, uh, or up around the, the beak area. Um, and there can be other uh, viral infections that can cause these sorts of things. So if it's not improving after a short time, two to three days, then you need to get it down to your regular vet so they can have it a good check over, check that you're giving the right feed, um, take the cage down so that they're making sure there's not any particular pot uh, potential toxins that might be in the way the cage was painted. And especially with birds are inside the house, no fly sprays. Yeah, even deodorants can sometimes affect their very sensitive uh, respiratory system because they have little air sacs and lungs and that really um, pick up on all these sorts of things and can really, they have such a high metabolic rate. Birds that they do plummet very quickly, they do go downhill with uh, health problems very quickly. All right, we hope that helps you out there, Phyllis. Thank you for the call from Broadmeadow. It is 49216216, almost out of time for Pet Chat today. Uh, we might have time for one more call. We'll see if we can get that on. It's three away from one, the latest in local news. What's happening in Hunter News? We'll find out that for you in three minutes' time. Last call of the day, Christine's with us from Warners Bay. Hello, Christine. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? How can we help you? Um, look, my daughter's got a little Bichon freeze, and the, he's been... Um, he, he, they thought he had a broken leg, and they did an X-ray on a, on a, under anaesthetic, and they found out now he's got Cushion's disease. Yep. Um, does that having to do with the ligaments and all that? Yeah, Cushing's unfortunately is very um, a disease that affects a whole lot of different systems in the body. So um, you need to keep a very close watch on that. The problem with little dogs like Bichon are that they don't have a very good blood supply to their legs, so it may take a bit of time to actually for that to repair. So very important that you don't let him go up and down stairs. That you're very careful about what he's doing, and critically important to keep in touch with your regular vet. So they monitor the progress of that disease and so that when the treatment is having some effect, they can, um, yeah, just make sure that everything is going in the right direction. It's very, yeah, it's a very difficult disease to, to treat and to manage. So it's going to be important to maintain communication and regular trips to your regular vet. There you go, Christine. Thank you for your call from Warners Bay. It's Pet Chat. We do it every Wednesday between midday and one. We take your calls. We try and offer some solutions to you with your pet problems on 49216216. Another good week. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Anything David. in closing, what are you up to? Now, I always like to do this for you because we only get you on the show once a month. If people are interested and have some behaviour issues or would like to discuss them yep. further, how can we get through to you? Um, just the office number 49543415 or the website stablerbehaviour.com.au. There you go. And you can get through, or if you missed those details, just call us at 2NURFM and ask for Dr. Bob. We'll be able to point you in the right direction. Your website's great, by the way, too. You can uh, get some good response there and get involved. So that's good. So thank you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Joining us today, Dr. Bob. And that is uh, our pet chat for this Wednesday afternoon. I thank you for your support with it. 